0: Hyma Black, and I am here over Zoom uh, with a longtime friend of the podcast, Lorena Cupcake, Ask a Budtender Advice Columnist for Weed Map News. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's good to talk to you. You're someone, I mean, you've been on the podcast a number of times. We did a really cool panel a couple of years ago where you were talking about social media and you're still in the world of social media and we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff like that. But uh, But yeah, I'm glad to talk to you today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And you just got a promotion uh, that you shared recently on social media. Uh, What can you say about that? Congratulations, by the way.
1: Thank you. I'm very excited. I've continued to grow within my role at my current company. Uh, I started out at a local chain of dispensaries, um, working locally with an independent chain. And then after we were bought out by a larger multi-state operator, I continued to work with them on marketing. And currently I'm overseeing marketing for four different dispensaries in the Chicago land location. So twice the amount I was originally working on, working on everything from print promotion, digital promotion, diving more into SMS promotion these days as well, in addition to um, social media, which I know I've been working uh, in for a long time. So it's really exciting getting to work on new things, uh, new regions, areas, and just learn more about the cannabis industry.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because for, you know, anybody who has been around in Chicago might know, like, you've worked so much in music prior to this music events, nightlife, kind of in those worlds, still in the social media realm as well. But it's like, you've gotten to, I, I feel like, be in some really creative industries.
1: Yes, it was a, it's an interesting path. I, uh, I know not, you know, everybody hops from music to cannabis. But for me, they're both things that I've always been interested in, and because cannabis is such a new industry, as we're gonna get into, I'm sure later, a lot of people in cannabis didn't start out in cannabis. You know, no one, no one had their first job in cannabis because likely when you first had your first job, you know, depending on how old you are, that wasn't an industry. So um, people are coming from all over, and I think I had really good timing because I switched uh, from working full time on concerts, events in-person, you know, things, Uh, full-time move to cannabis happened just a little bit before the pandemic. So I got a lot of people saying that I might be psychic or I just had really good timing because I moved into that essential industry at the exact right time.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's incredible because God, we, I mean, we saw how difficult this last year was for, for everybody. I mean, it, it was a rough year. And so to have that sort of element of your life already squared away before COVID, I'm sure that that was great. I'd love to just start with the title of bud tender, you know, which we're going to talk about a bit. The name I think is kind of self-explanatory, but for anybody who's not aware or maybe kind of gets it, like how would you describe the role of a bud tender?
1: So a bud tender is also known as a dispensary agent. The name, as, as you can probably tell, comes from bartender and it's the person who checks you out at a dispensary. However, because cannabis requires a lot of one-on-one education, a lot of people coming in might not know that much about it, or maybe they know a lot about it and are looking for some very specific traits or effects. The bud tender is the person who's going to hold your hand and lead you to the right product for you. Uh, when I first started out, it was a very new industry in Illinois. We were medical only, and I was talking with a lot of people who had some you know, pretty specialized medical needs, or they didn't have a lot of experience and they just needed to know what would be the right thing for them to try out. And so I got to have a lot of one-on-one conversations with people uh, about their needs and trying to match them up with the right cannabis product.
0: Is that something, I mean, I I imagine it is, but is that something you enjoy just kind of that one-on-one customization and really helping someone to, to connect with the right choice for them?
1: Absolutely. And I think that, I think what I get really get educated about is, are excited about is educating people, you know, letting them know what, uh, what wives tales are not true, what common <laughs> sense actually is true and helping them find relief. And I think that that's something that I can apply in cannabis, but even as, um, as more decriminalization happens and maybe these other industries grow, it's something I would be interested in looking into, and into other mind altering substances as well. Because I think we're in a position where, uh, in society where we do need more education about these things. I don't think your average person knows how much mushrooms to take you know, to have a, a good time and not, a, you know, an upsetting time, or what kind of cannabis to avoid if they tend towards paranoia. And so being able to, uh, to spread the word about those things, spread knowledge about those things is really satisfying.
0: You know, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that there's an education gap there. Like I remember, you know, when I was growing up, it was just drugs are bad. And that was it. I mean, it's, it's almost like the South Park kind of meme, you know, it's just like, drugs are bad, period. There was no, there was no scaling, like, well, marijuana is not as bad as crystal meth or, you know, like that was it. That was the messaging we got in the eighties. So I imagine there's a lot of people out there who, if they're not themselves actively educating themselves, like they probably don't know kind of like what isn't, like you said, what isn't, isn't true or, or what, what substances might be more helpful than harmful.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of stigma out there. There's a lot of miseducation out there. There's a lot of association with substance use with partying. Um, and so my, some people might have the idea you know that you always have to take a lot of something or you already have to always have to be very impaired in order to see benefits or effects from something. And so that that is something that you're gonna have to fight uh, with any sort of substance, teaching people how it can be used medicinally, therapeutically, in a way to expand consciousness or awareness, or honestly, you know, to have fun and relax, but do it in a way that is safer, uh, that is not going to put you into a position where you're uncomfortable, where there's any sort of danger to you. And you know, you, everybody just wants to have a good time. So, if the aim is to have a good time, I'm here to tell you how to do that and avoid the pitfalls.
0: That's awesome. And you know, a couple of years ago, this was a big deal. I remember seeing this on Twitter. Um, I feel like we're some of the last holdouts on Twitter. So many people you know, I think wisely are abandoning, like, you know, some of the platforms like Twitter and, and you and I are still there every day, but your name staff pick best bud tender by the Chicago reader in 2019, really big deal. You know, how did that impact your reach or your opportunities as a bud tender, or did that kind of make it more legitimate for certain people?
1: That definitely did. That was, uh, I definitely think it was a role into my full time entree into the cannabis industry, I definitely think it was a role in getting the Ask a Bud Tender column at Weedmaps News. I think a lot of different people can probably relate to the fact that if you're a queer trans person of color, you know, if, if you're basically if you're not a straight white male, that sometimes you need that cosign. You need uh, somebody to say like, hey, this person really knows what they're talking about um, because they might not look at you and immediately know that, or they might not even know that they're not realizing that because um, these preconceived notions and these biases can run so deep. And so I really appreciate the reader because they're always trying to co-sign people, um, just smaller independent artists, uh, different chefs. It, It doesn't really matter what creative field you're in. Uh, Or for me, you might even just say it's a business field versus a creative field. They are really looking out to champion the underdog and sing the praises of people who are doing good work. And so it was really great to get that shout out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I was just talking to um, Pixel Grip, the Chicago Act Pixel Grip, and we were just talking about how they recently had a reader cover. And it's this weird thing where like for a certain older generation, you know, yeah, you could have whatever sort of interests, you could have whatever sort of accomplishments, but once you get an actual print paper write up, all of a sudden what you're doing is real and it's validated and it's like, oh, this is a real thing because the reader or the Chicago Tribune or whoever said it is. Whereas, you know, our generation grew up on the internet and it's like it's it all counts.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Those traditional gatekeeper roles. Um, I think that you really have a responsibility to use it wisely, because that could just as easily be used to keep people out as it can be used to to let people in. Thankfully, I think in the examples we were, we've listed, <laughs> Chicago readers doing the right thing, and they're they're trying to put people on. You know, they're using their platform to boost up people.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned the Weed Maps column, which is really interesting. I was looking at that. Uh, That is where you are answering user submitted questions about cannabis. What's that experience been like for you? What's the best part? You know, how do you, how do you feel about that role?
1: I love having a monthly column. I'm a, creature of routine and knowing that I have a due date coming up and it's going to be kind of the same thing I did last last month is a really good freelance role for me. Um, but in addition to that, I just love getting to talk to people, getting to solve these problems. The limitations of being face-to-face in a dispensary have really increased since, um, since cannabis became adult use in Illinois. There is just a lot higher volume now that it's not medical only. So I'm not getting to have those face-to-face one-on-one conversations especially since I've moved over to the marketing side in the past uh, year plus so being able to do it to a wider audience with my ask about tender column is a natural fit people were always dming me you mentioned that we're we're twitter lurkers and uh (laughs) and you know just hit me up on everywhere can can you tell me what cannabis product to use can you give me some advice can you tell me why this affects me this way or it doesn't affect me um i was getting those converse uh having those conversations all the time for free and only one person was benefiting and so for me if I get paid. I'm able to do these deep dives. You know, it's not just a, hey, here's what I know typed up real quick question. I, I go into Google Scholar. I'm looking at medical studies from the past 10 years. I'm doing a lot of research to make sure that I have the right info. And so having the funding to make that possible and to share the answers with a really big audience of thousands of people I've never met before is so fulfilling to me.
0: Well, and also, you know, not for nothing, It like you said, it's really important that you as an expert, we both know how easy it is for people to want to come up and be like, give me a bunch of information about this topic that you've spent years cultivating knowledge on and do it for free and do it in two minutes and do it over Twitter DMs. And it's like, you know, after a while, it (laughs) takes its toll.
1: Yeah. The really nice thing about it is when somebody comes back to me and they say, Hey, I have a question. I'm like, you know what? I already wrote about that. Or, Hey, I have, I have that coming up in a column. I'll give you my real quick answer here, but you should really wait because I'm going to give you over a thousand words in my column that I wouldn't be able to give you over Twitter DM. It's just not
0: feasible. No, absolutely. And you also completed a cannabis and pride history project for the social media department of your new job um, or your new position where you wrote four history threads about different figures in the fight for queer and cannabis liberation. What can you say about that?
1: That was also for Weedmaps. Um, they have a social media department over there that's really awesome. And they worked with me to create these four cannabis and pride history threads, delving into figures like Dennis Perone and other leaders in the fight for cannabis liberation, gay liberation, and the sort of intersectional efforts there. Uh, it was really amazing to get to represent my community, to get to talk about things that really mattered to me. They didn't censor me at all. They let me talk about things that um, like SESTA-FOSTA, which is the legislation banning. Um, it. it it's, a, it's, it's basically why Backpage and other platforms for sex workers got taken down. And um, for me, that was really important to talk about during the Marsha P. Johnson thread who was a you know, the, the, widely credited with throwing the first brick at Stonewall, whether or not that actually happened. She was a leader in the, right, uh, in the rights and the fight to protect people who were doing sex work, especially um, people who were you know, out on the streets in more dangerous situations, uh, especially because they were trans and targeted by police. And so getting to talk about how queer people, sex workers are still getting targeted by police. I think it's so important during Pride. I really was happy to get to participate in a pride project that was centering people of color, centering marginalized people, trans people, and willing to talk about the real issues that affect us, Versus, um, I think there's some sort of trendy things that people like to talk about, you know, just kind of be yourself or respect pronouns or uh, lots of little. Here's uh, a rainbow. A lo- yeah, yeah, here's a rainbow. There's a lot of things that cis people like think is what we care about. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not actually what we care about. Like, I'm worried about my friends who aren't able to make a living anymore because it's more dangerous for them to meet up with clients that they can't screen online. And uh, and that was for me. If we're going to talk about you know the fight for for queer liberation, that was something that was really important to bring up. And so it was just kind of cool that that Weed Maps is such a great partner, the community that they gave me that opportunity and really gave me the license to talk about what I want to talk about.
0: No, absolutely. And kind of along the same lines, you know, something else you mentioned in our kind of exchanges before the interview. You know, you mentioned that in your new role, you're switching from social media focused marketing. Uh, really to more kind of SMS, which is, you know, text message marketing, and and at least partially because of Instagram's disdain for cannabis companies and content. And I think cannabis companies, they're not alone in being targeted by social media platforms. We hear from so many different types of professionals and creators and individuals and brands that just can't publish their content, can't break through the algorithm, get shadow banned, etc. because of social media. So I don't know, do you do you feel like it's getting harder for even brands, let alone everyday people to kind of like push certain messaging out or to be able to make a living, you know, promoting themselves on social media?
1: Absolutely. It is such an issue. And really it it's very backwards. It's very outdated. And I really hope that these platforms take a look at their policies soon and update them to reflect that the world we're really living in. Right now, you can't really talk about any sort of drug on a Facebook-owned property without being worried about your account getting deleted. So an example, I know Double Blind Magazine, which is a magazine that uh, talks about psychedelic research and um, ethnic traditions and the history and recipes and all that good stuff. One of my favorite magazines, I I love to subscribe. I follow them. And I did notice that recently their Instagram got removed. They were able to repeal and get it back. Um, but for me, that was really disturbing because, yes, they're a business, they're selling a magazine, they're selling educational courses, but there's also so many nonprofits and other organizations involved in, in the fight to decriminalize psychedelics. Um, you know, those organizations are really the reason why we've had landmark wins in Oregon and other states to decriminalize these substances. So um, it is very chilling to me that just talking about psychedelics. And just talking about things that are maybe not federally legal, but are legal in certain areas and have a long history of indigenous use, long cultural history, various different areas um, that we're just going to ban talking about those things. is really scary because nobody's, you know, none of these accounts that are getting banned were trying to sell you something from that Instagram post. They were really just trying to educate you. And that is very scary to me. So what I'm looking more into for the dispensary is things like SMS marketing um, and really just moving toward our own channels. I think a lot of us are going to start thinking, you know, how can we use these platforms to point people back to something I host or I own or I have control over because playing by their rules is just getting harder and harder every day.
0: Well, and even if you're not posting, let's say anything heavy quotes here, controversial, right? By their standards. Just posting anything, just, you know, getting through the algorithm on most of these social platforms at this point, especially like you mentioned, the Facebook owned ones like Facebook and of course Instagram. It's just really hard in general, you know, like unless you're paying for a boost, which even that barely does anything. It's just in general, it feels very much like a rigged carnival game at this point on most social media.
1: Oh, absolutely. And a lot of times you can't even trust them to be reporting their metrics accurately so i I feel like i definitely got burned by facebook um being in cannabis we we are not allowed to advertise on facebook at all which i don't i'm not complaining about that not being a part of my job anymore paid advertising was never my most favorite thing to do but the 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 thing that's frustrating about it is that when when you give them you hand them money and you expect a certain result they're the ones reporting about what the result was. And so you, I don't really feel like you can trust Facebook or Instagram. And I also feel like you can't really trust their motives when it comes to serving e-commerce and serving advertising. One thing I've noticed recently during any of these heritage months, AAPI Heritage Month, Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, any month like that, you notice they're using these stickers to promote Black-owned businesses or Asian-owned businesses. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But is it all about business? You know, is it also about politics, social justice, the community, mutual aid? Like it's a it's about a lot of things. But the reason why they're focusing on business is because they're an e-commerce advertiser, and if if they're telling you about black-owned businesses, there's a chance that those black-owned businesses could buy advertising from them. It's very. Uh, It's very self-serving. I think it's especially heinous that they're using these uh, communities of color as a pawn in that. And it's kind of distressed me that I see a lot of people putting out these lists, you know, like horrible hate crimes are happening. Go to a boba shop. And I'm just like, wow, that is very tasteless. And but I also see where it's coming from, because these platforms are explicitly telling you, hey, the only way to fight injustice is to buy things because they get a cut of that through advertising
0: money. No, I mean, yeah, it is very fucked up. I completely agree with you. And it's even something I see. I mean, just what we've seen on I'm, God, I feel like you and I could do like a whole separate podcast talk because we're going to send this back to your your cannabis work in just a moment. But the last thing I want to say about this is like, you know, we've seen on Instagram the last six, eight, however, months, however many months since they like revamped that platform and really made it a shopping platform. And now I get notifications about like a shop you should follow has new products. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that at all. Like I'm not trying to follow <laughs> shops on this platform, you know? So yeah, it's, that's a whole other rant. Something that's really interesting that you wrote for Weed Maps is one of the articles, ask a bud tender, how do I get a job in the cannabis industry? And that was kind of one of the topics that initially started the, the idea of us doing this latest interview. You have a number of helpful suggestions in that article, but what can you say on the podcast about breaking into the cannabis industry?
1: So I touched on it earlier but I really think it's important for people to remember that no one is necessarily looking for you to have 3 to 5 years experience in cannabis. If you have 0 years of cannabis, that's where you start. I think that there's lots of other jobs where your experience can translate. For me, it was social media and marketing. For other people, it might be retail, it might be horticulture, planting, it could be project management construction, uh, retail management. there's just so many different options. Um, I know a lot of people who came over from nightlife and hospitality. you know if you if you know how to juggle a schedule of 40 people <laughs> uh, to to have, a, to have a place you know st- staffed all the time and how to do training and, and things like that, definitely dispensaries need you. And it's also important to remember that we the face of the of the industry is the dispensary and that's where I got my start but every dispensary has a huge infrastructure behind it. And that includes not just cultivation um, and manufacturing, which are are the other ones that people think of. You think, okay, well, there's the bud tenders and then there's the growers and cultivation. And then there's people cooking up gummies and manufacturing. And then that's kind of it. That's like, that's where people end. But there's also legal, there's compliance, there's marketing, shout out to me. (laughs) There's, uh, There's tech, IT, B2B. There's so many businesses serving cannabis. So it's not only that you don't have to be plant touching, but you don't even necessarily need to be working at a business that is in the cannabis industry to be in the cannabis industry. You might be a business that's serving the cannabis industry. Y'all might be working on retail software these communication communication platforms like SMS platforms, a magazine like you know the Denver West World is amazing for a lot of different cannabis business, the cannabis business times journalism, uh, the list goes on. Basically, if it's a job in any other industry, there's likely a kind of similar equivalent in cannabis. And people should not be scared to use their experience in those other industries and say like, Hey, the fact that I've been doing this for five years in a different industry, and I am passionate about cannabis and I care about cannabis means I could do this job because it's true. I want to give people that confidence.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great because you're right. Like it is, especially now coming out of COVID where I think a lot of people, I mean, we see the articles all the time about like so many people are quitting their jobs and so many people aren't taking the jobs that exist. And I think a lot of people are evaluating new career paths. So I think it's, it's encouraging to hear that, you know, there's kind of this wide range of opportunities in cannabis, where it's not just specifically like, well, you're a retail seller at the store. And that's it. Like there's a whole, I mean, you mentioned in your reader feature in 2019, you were talking about like looking forward to cannabis being available, like restaurants and bars. Like, is that something you see us being close to in Illinois?
1: In Illinois? No. Okay. In California, I think a little bit closer. Right now, there's a couple different places in California where basically you can purchase something from a business that's licensed very much like a dispensary, and then you can consume it on site. However, they can't prepare it for you. Like Basically, you can buy a cannabis tea and they'll bring you hot tea, and then you can sit there and drink it legally, but they can't you know, make you infused eggs benedict which is a little, a little disappointing. I would love to get to the point where I get that, you know, eggs penny <laughs> that gets me high. And I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for it. And I want to be the marketing manager who is uh, <laughs> helping that restaurant group get there. But um, what I think, I, I think that we're getting there. I think that there is some room for innovation. Um, you know, I, I think about what if we had pre-dosed butter, you know, so that the, 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 the chef is just dropping in a hundred milligrams of lab tested frozen butter that's gone through the process. You know. It's just that the, the infrastructure needs to get there and it kind of needs to get there one step at a time. And I think that it's important for folks to fight for the industry to open up more versus you know, kind of close down and get even more regulated and even more structured by, uh, by just a few different companies in the world. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. I, I don't know if it'll be soon in LNY, but I'm, I'm definitely ho- thinking it will be within my lifetime. We're going to see, you know, uh, cannabis lounges. We're going to see consumption on site and we're going to see decriminalized psychedelics for sure.
0: Yeah, it will be really interesting. Final question I have for you, because this has been awesome and it's always a joy to talk to you on the podcast and off. I know that you are a connoisseur, you're always going to great Chicago restaurants, always going to great Chicago, you know, bars, like lounges, what have you, what are some of your go-to Chicago meals or cocktails that pair well with your weed usage?
1: Oh, wow. This is tough uh, because, because I haven't been going anywhere for the past year, uh, as I'm sure you could relate, but um, one from real life that I can go ahead and and say that I know that we did was uh, we were eating great sea wings so there's a chinese korean restaurant on the north side called great sea on lawrence and what they're famous for is these party platters um, of wings just these real sticky sweet chinese korean fried wings they just like they bring it it's wrapped in aluminum foil you throw that aluminum foil off and it's ready to go uh i think that wings at a party is definitely a chicago tradition especially you know the (laughs) south and the south and west sides so I'm definitely not, you know, knocking MacArthur's <laughs> like I, if you, I will, I will eat whatever wings you got at the party, um, you know, pass the mild sauce, please. But if you're looking to shake it up, you really can't go wrong with that sticky, sweet, great sea sauce. It's amazing.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Lorena cupcake ask a bud tender advice columnist at weed map news. This is always awesome. This was so much fun. I can't wait till we can, uh, you know, actually be out in person at an event and, and both be, relieved and and not overly worried you know basically the embodiment of that jay-z gif where he's kind of dancing but looking up and real nervous you know that's what (laughs) that's what going out feels like right now every time i've stepped out i'm kind of like yay i'm here i guess (laughs) but but yeah i can't wait till we're in the same spot and and really thank you so much for taking the time today
1: it was my pleasure thank you